was that a? <laughs> <laughs> so that sounded really creepy somehow. It, oh, it did, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not practicing my Italian, I guess, because I've sort of that's fallen by the wayside a bit lately because I've well, I've just had a busy week. Um, uh, bonjour. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's all the continental flavour you can handle for one week. Veramente. Uh, in fact, we should end this podcast there because I think we just... Yeah. yeah, too spicy, too much culture. <laughs> Loz, uh, we, what are we on now? Is this episode 13 or is it 14? I, I just... Uh, I'm going to go for 13. Unlucky for some. Uh, well, yeah. Weirdly, 13 down the years has been a good number for me. I, I remember really good things happening on like the 13th of the month and particularly Friday the 13th. I mean, obviously, the notion of it being unlucky is complete twaddle. But um, well, ask, ask I, anyone who's met Jason Voorhees. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> if you're the kind of person that thinks that the succession of left and right steps you take between paving stones will have a bearing on your life, then... Or if you um, greet greet a, a succession of magpies in a certain manner, then, you know, oh, dear. But, I mean, you know, seeing a black cat is always a good thing. I don't know if it brings luck, but, you know, who doesn't love just meeting a black cat in the street and being like, hey, what's happening? Now, now my younger self would have made a joke there, but we're not, we're not going to go there. I'm not going to no, go there. No, Stay classy, San Diego. Yeah, it's was, it was a word beginning with P that has no place at this moment in time. Am I oh, correct? I don't know. What, perfunctory? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like seeing a good perfunctory. Yeah, yeah. Plinth. I don't know why that word came to mind. Do you have a favourite word beginning with P, Lars, while we're on this subject? Um, In I fact, might, I might uh, go for pterodactyl because the silent P. Ooh, yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Suddenly I'll turn into Jabba the Hutt then for some reason. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Jabba walkie nipple pinchy. <laughs> I think, like, my favourite words are just the ones that just sound funny and you can't explain why. Like, for example, the owl is kind of a, so like, trowel. I love the word mm. trowel and I can't explain why. I've always enjoyed, uh, not rhythm, but rhythm. rhythm. Said completely emotionally, emotionless, sorry, is, is, is just cracks me up every time. Summer rhythms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> owing, owing from summer rhythms. Do you know what? I, I, do you know what I like to do? Uh, I'd like to do as if it's some sort of hobby no I mean it's particularly in the world of hip-hop is where this works best right is where you recite the lyrics of something but in the style of Angus Deaton so <laughs> so for example it's just a bunch of gibberish and motherfuckers act like they forgot about Dre it's or, kind of or sort of uh, a Wu-Tang Clan ain't uh, nothing to fuck with yeah, it's it's the it's the downward affliction. It, you, you know what I mean when I say the style of Angus Deacon, don't you? It's that kind mm. of. Um, I mean, we talked about Redman. Let's get dirty in the last episode, didn't we? Let me just. God, this is this is. It's like you, you know. I was I was at one point potentially considering doing a stand-up set of hip hop in different regional voices, and uh, I, I particularly <laughs> liked forgot about Dre uh, with with a Yorkshire inflection, which is you know. Nowadays, everybody wants to talk, but they got something to say. When it comes out, when they move the lips, just a bunch of gibberish. You motherfuckers out there, they forgot about Dre. <laughs> Dre. Yeah, exactly. Dre. Dr. Dre. Yeah, so for I example, just... Let's Get Dirty by Redman. You know, if I was to do that in the Angus Deaton style, it would be kind of like, I'm throwing elbows, Timberland Boots, Air Force and Shell Toes. Who the fuck is them? Right, that's, we've got the important business out of the way in the first six minutes as usual. <laughs> 
<laughs> we really needed that. Christ almighty. Right, well, of, of all the things you needed to research for this. <laughs> I know, I know. The uh, lyrics well, for Let's Get Dirty by Red. <laughs> it's an absolute banger, though. It's, it's, it is a banger, don't get me wrong. Right. Eric Sermon, I do believe, as well. Yeah, it's just, it, I love that track. It's just got such a vibe. It's it's just, it's... <laughs> right, so... Uh, that really was a random waffle, even for us. Yeah, but it was a tasty waffle. So, Loz and I are recording this about, uh, say, an hour or something after the last episode, where we we mm. we talked about our top, well, our number 10 and number 9, respectively. And now, Loz, you've been walking the dog in the sunshine, I believe, by the river? In the sunshine! Uh, yes, yeah. Oh, I, God, I've Jerry. Been... Sorry. When the weather is red. So, yeah, no, it's been so rubbish recently, and the poor dog has had to make do with shoddy sort of shambling round in... in sort of sodden conditions and i thought it's such beautiful weather outside seems a little cruel not to uh, to take advantage and of course typically uh, i might as well just slap myself in the face with a wet fish and call it a day because typically the, the weather was locally located to to drake's broughton and so when i got down to pershaw there was no wonderful sun I, I went down warned by the... you of this. I said, I don't, don't go too far towards Evesham because it's not all kicking off over here in terms of sunshine. And indeed, there's there's so much uh, mud that I was nearly slipping over. And not the fact that uh, that I was slipping, the fact that she was on a walk. But um, yeah. Uh, slipping and tripping, yo. <laughs> they kept me slipping. Sorry, I'm in hip hop mode. And do you know why, Loz? Because whilst you were out doing that, and like I say, I was sat inside, you know, oh, in, nice. in clement weather. You know, ideal mm. weather for being inside. Do you know what I've done? Uh, I went. Uh, was that was that a little clue to what you'd done with the inclement? No, actually, because uh, you said you were going to listen to his album earlier. So I was yes, like, oh, I okay. did. Yeah, I did, and I will. But no, do you know what I listened to instead, Lars? In order in which they uh, they were recommended to me, I went was, off. Was it Monsieur Lamar? Monsieur Lamar with All Right, um, mm. which I'll tell you what, what a video! Like it's like a short film. Yeah. And uh, 142 million views, by the way. Like, yeah, cle- yeah. Clearly, I am one of the poor schmucks that just didn't, you know, didn't. Well, no, just didn't. Can, can, just can didn't. The truth, man. I just, yeah, and uh, I, like I'll, I'll get onto the music in a minute, but I do whilst I'm on the topic of the video. Amazing video. There were so many cool things going on. Uh, illusion of him being levitating upside down with everyone else underneath him, the right way, and him being like stood on a lamppost. Like, mm. um, uh, yeah, there were so many cool things going on. It was a piece of art, video-wise. It was like a short film. Yeah, he's, he's a really creative dude. A um, lot of respect. And in terms of the music, it's kind of how I remember Kendrick Lamar in terms of, like, what little I've heard, which is that, you know, one of his tracks can almost have, like, an interlude for 20 seconds of one thing and then there's and then there's another thing and then and mm. so i don't really know where all right started really i mean there's the obvious sort of track but the bit beforehand which he kind of reprises at the end as he's plummeting to his doom um maybe that on the album is the way it unfolds in terms of being like an interlude a prefix and a, a suffix but you know how you you can find out don't you yes i do yeah uh, and if I'd, ha- <laughs> if I'd had time i probably would uh, yeah, yeah. Gone. Whilst, can I, sorry, if I can just jump in, as I should have said it beforehand. Jump away. Anybody, now. any anybody else who's looking to uh, to dabble in in uh, 
uh, to Pimp a Butterfly especially, it's one of the few hip-hop albums that I truly believe is meant to be listened to as a whole. Yeah. So whilst I wouldn't quite say it's, it's that vital to listen to every track like one after the other, I think it's, it is definitely the best way to experience that album. Anyway, right, we've got eight and seven to get to. But before that, Lars, I also listened to Schoolboy Q. There you go. Nice. And I suppose these two tracks represented all, not necessarily polar opposites, but, you know, different approaches to to hip hop, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I quite liked Schoolboy Q, but it didn't. I mean, admittedly, I've only heard it once. So I I know better than anyone not to cast judgment on anything after one listen, because most of my favorite bands have required... Uh, hundreds of lessons really for me to mm. formulate the, the rounded kind of opinion on stuff but it I, it didn't if I'm being honest it didn't grab me I, I, I quite enjoyed it I didn't dislike I didn't dislike it it's important to say that I didn't yeah. dislike it but <clears throat> it just I don't particularly listen to rap as you know it's not really my massively my thing it was in high school mm-hmm. I loved it then and that, that was a period of my life uh, and I guess that's why this didn't grab me but Kendrick Lamar struck me as, as something really original and, and interesting and artistic. And uh, yeah, I will definitely go off and listen to that album because I know it's got legendary status. Yeah, I, I definitely think it'd be worth your time. Um, possibly Schoolboy Q less, but, you know, particularly that track, I think it's, it's, it's accessible, certainly. And uh, it's just good fun, sort of high energy. Uh, I, I, I just dig it. I got very good, very specific memories of sort of driving around in the summer with, with that sort of music going in, just sort of like, yeah. Yeah, and you know that I don't, I'm not opposed to like hip hop just being like raucous and just, I mean, let's get good it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I love stuff like that as well. So yeah, I, I will give it another listen. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, and I'll tell you what I also did after listening to those two, because I'd been talking about Cardiacs so passionately, I went off and listened mm. to some of that as well. So Ooh, get you. Uh, but anyway, right. Let's. Good lord, where are we now? That's uh, well. It's over to you, isn't it, Loz, for your number eight? Hit it. Ooh. Now, funnily enough, this album is one that I believe I actually purchased with you. Went into into HMV not and in Paris, uh, no? We, no, not this one. And uh, we uh, <laughs> we I actually purchased a physical copy. I know, um, and, and just very quickly on that matter, I missed that going into HMV and thumbing through the, the tactile mm. experience of um, like uh, Pink Floyd. I remember when I first got into Pink Floyd and it was around my birthday and we're talking about HMV. That This was HMV in Ealing Broadway. And I went in with my dad and basically it was my birthday present or Christmas or maybe both combined because they're both quite close to each other. Um, mm. Not as close as your birthday and Christmas, but no. Uh, uh, and the I bought the entire discography in one go, so nice. like yeah, it was like I don't know, t- uh, ten studio albums and then a couple of film soundtracks and just yeah, I missed that going into HMV and just thumbing through our price. We all well, hopefully we all remember our price. Sounds like you don't. Otherwise, you'd go. I was going to oh, say not not yeah. all of us do. I'm afraid. No, uh, oh, well, it was like HMV. It was just some sort of record store that was around in the in the nineties. But anyway, as usual. I yeah, so 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 I'd actually got, gone in, got the copy. Uh, we came home and like I'd unwrapped it and I, I like you know the 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 cover art uh, and indeed the 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 cover the cover booklet thing is 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 quite funny to look at. And I remember Dad uh, being like, 
oh, you, you've got some music, have you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, what, what are you popping on? <laughs> and and I, I I don't think you really like it, Dad. You know, it's it's not really your thing, considering that, you know, Dad is, is, is sort of like, if it's not classical music and it's not, um, good God, I think he had bloody Cliff Richard. Uh, I, I remember one, also one holiday. Cliff Richard. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, it, I'm not him, him whacking out um, any dream will do, and me just being like, oh Jesus! I mean, it's it's not in, in offensive sort of thing, but it's just no. Oh. But I I can imagine your dad like quite vehemently being like, no, put this on, you know, let's 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 listen to this. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's I think it was you... almost it was almost a bit like right, okay, let's see what you've spent your money on then. <laughs> and my my dad's done that many times down the years and regretted it. So, what did you put yes. on for, for your father, Lars? Uh, well, um, I, I, I just finish off the anecdote because I kind of I kind of like teasing this out now. Yeah, uh, I, so I, I, yeah I, I, I sort of rather sheepishly put it in the in, in the stereo. I started playing, and this is an album that starts as often um, albums by this artist do start with sort of quite an epic intro. I've got uh, an al- I've got a, an idea in my head of what this is, but I'm going to keep it to myself and let you carry on and see if I'm correct down the line. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it, it starts with a sort of like a right. Are the initials of the album W O M. Yes, yeah, that's okay, great. right, okay, go on. And, and it's sort of you know, I, I shan't I shan't do the whole thing because it's quite explicit, but it starts with like, yeah, motherfucker, welcome to the United States of America. We're about to roll out the red carpet on your bitch asses. And like, I'd already like, pressed eject as he was just like, what the hell is this? There's there's a voice where he's, uh, I don't know what it's like, king shit. Or yeah, something. king shit. King shit, yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, yeah, that, the, the, yeah, the album that caused this controversy is, of course, Ludacris's Word of Mouth. I really like this album as well. Yeah, I've not listened yeah. to it in a while, but oh, what I like about Ludacris is that there's it's all it's there's a pomposity and attitude as is so often the case, almost akin to the world of boxing. You know, it's all about like bravado and kind of mm. and um, Ludacris has got the that swag. But then, yeah, but then at the same time, he was like somehow sort of slightly laid back as well. Yes, yeah, and he's he's not um, you know shoot him up, bang bang, gun guns. All that you know, um, there is there's elements of that in his work, but it's uh, well, there was the video well, to I, get get back where he had the giant fists. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great video. Yeah, I I thought it was quite interesting because I I didn't know until long into um, uh, my fandom of Ludacris that he'd actually started as um, like a co-host of a rap station. And I think I think it was Atlanta. And where basically he was just like called on to do a freestyle sort of like every every single show. And after a while, they were just like, you're really good at this. Might might be worth because because he never seriously considered it, I think, be- beforehand. Oh, really? And uh, they, they'd sort of gone, you know, you pr- perhaps this might have something in it for you. And on the back of that, he, he um, sort of put together, a, a, a you know, a, a local sort of tape, as it were. And he, I think he, you know, the, the story goes, he'd sort of pressed up about 200 copies and he'd sold out in a week. And it was like, oh, oh okay, right, there's there's a demand for this. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and, yeah. and and basically, to be quite honest with you, when p- buying this album, the, the, the song that I'd heard that I really liked was, um, 
I th it's a song I think called uh, Southern Hop Hospitality, just like um, is that the one where it's like sticky yicky yicky oh oh or is that no 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 else? that's that's is that uh, even ludicrous Saturday that's on this this album yeah okay no for some reason I thought hang on a minute have I just quoted a completely different artist no it is yeah. it is off that no it's yeah, it's ludicrous sure. all right yeah yeah no it's it's the one where she says uh, again apologies for. Uh, my impression but it's like i want to lick you from your head to your toes and oh, i want to yeah. move for the bed da, 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 right <laughs> that's that's the yes. one that i was i was like right okay that's that was a banger a, a stirring rendition loves that's that i i am um, i knew exactly what you were talking about the moment you started so yeah i need to i need to go yeah thank you this album yeah uh, so that that's what sort of you know it tickled my fancy as it were and then i bought this album which doesn't feature that song and um I certainly did not regret my purchase. It's, it's, you know, it's just a lot of fun. It's high energy. Um, a lot of his raps are, are quite funny. It's not, yeah. I would say, comedy rap, but there's comedy skits. Uh, there's lots of different, uh, mainly Southern artists. But um, And there's, there's also a, a nice little segue into the artist who makes the next album that I'm going to talk about. Ooh, okay. uh, but I'm going to gloss over that for a minute and just keep going. Yeah, there's I this. Mean, I, I, ludicrous I like, is almost sorry. like a, um, uh, I, I would almost say like a, like a billboard rapper in terms of you can pick the big highlights off his album, and when you 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 look back at those, I, I was uh, checking out the uh, Wikipedia page, and all the big songs pretty much are either you know singles or were part of. Um, there's one song, I mean, Area Codes. I got holes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Area I mean, R.I.P. Yes. Nate Dog. God bless him. It, it's it's it really like it's one of those albums that, you know, there's not a lot of skipping involved. You know, it, it's all a good time. Like I say, uh, fairly high energy. What more do you want? I mean, uh, uh, Ludacris, back, back, way back in it. I don't know. I'm going to just take a stab in the dark episode six, maybe seven or something. <laughs> when Eight Mile came up. And um, so this was, of course, a rapper who, you know, then ventured into film and uh, Ludacris yes. did this. I remember, uh, I'm almost ashamed to admit this, there was a period in my life where I enjoyed the Fast and the Furious films. Um, yeah. I, I loved the first one with, like, Paul Walker and... Um, uh, Vin Diesel? Yes. Din Diesel. Din Diesel. yeah. Old Dinny. Thin Weasel. And Ludacris was in the second one. Uh, yes, that's right. He like he flagged one of the the races or something at the start. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah, and we went to see that in the cinema as well. Just for, yeah, for any, anyone who's who's going to be an aficionado of of our lives. <laughs> yeah, I I do I do remember seeing that at the cinema. Yeah, that, in that fact, was... I think I think Ludacris did a song on the out on the album. There is that too fast, too furious. I'm too fast for y'all, man. Yeah, that rings a bell. If it wasn't on the album, it was certainly a part of the soundtrack to that film, wasn't it? I think a lot of people would also remember um, Ludacris's uh, off, uh, off word of mouth, which is, move, bitch, get, get out of the way. way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I, I've almost forgotten in my uh, in my haste, in my merriment as well. Sorry to, to... crack on. Exactly. Brother. Well, uh, my track to try, as it were, is a track called Roll Out. It's it's again just you know I think you can you can already probably hear 
the, the chorus. I recognise I recognise the name, but the roll oh. out. Boom, Roll boom, out boom, with boom. the top down. Boom, 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 big, boom, big, boom. big bad yeah, yes, 40s. Yes. <laughs> with the top back. And, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's, I, there's I, lots I did a little of... operatic waiver on it there. I don't think he, you know. He one of the bits that always it. sticks out to me is the bit where he's, he's just like, what the hell is in that room? What you got in that room? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was just entertaining. Well, it still is entertaining. Mm. You know? Oh, man. Yeah. I, yeah, Ludacris. I, well. I've already written it down. Yeah, I'm going to check that out later. Yeah, check it out. Now, uh, my learned colleague, Monsieur Hughes, what is it that has made your number eight? Well, uh, this is around the time in the podcast where I almost bend the rules or cheat slightly, as I like to do. Oh, here we go. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Another five honourable mentions, is it? No, but... (laughs) It's it's a band where I kind of couldn't choose between two albums, and, and I have kind of named one. So, but I can't not name the other. So inevitably, I will talk about both. But okay, I couldn't make a case of sort of putting both in. Uh, and to me, they kind of blend as one in a way, which is strange because there was a lengthy period of time between the albums, uh, and they're quite different in sound. But yeah, th- there's one in particular. By this band which is it is the one i'm going to talk about an album that i kind of always thought was like top three material you know like mm. it's not as if i spend every day thinking you know what's my top 10 albums in order um yeah. but but i kind of i guess subconsciously thought this was like you know top three you know like i loved it that much but then when i came to actually really sit down and work this out here it is at number eight hmm you know, I, I think what my number eight in films was Memento, wasn't it? Or was that number seven? Which, again, was like something I always thought was top three. But then when I actually sat down <laughs> and worked it out, it got gazumped for four or five times. Ah, what a word. Yeah. Oh, top marks used. I, top marks. I, well, I love the fact that that word is actually an official word that's used in terms of, you know, buying property. Puts down yeah, a came, higher up. Came in with out. a late bid and gazumped you. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a good... We talk about funny words. Gazump. That's a good one. So I've kind of always been on the lookout for sort of bands that like have like complexity and artistry and all that stuff. Not, you know, for the sake of it. And it's not the first thing I look for, but I, I've always wanted bands that can do that. But then in such a way that's just really catchy and accessible, almost like piercing the zeitgeist of chart music, you know, because like they could conceivably hit the charts. But at the mm-hmm. same time, they've got a lot going on under the bonnet, as it were. And this is a band, I mean, what I'm about to say without revealing the band might be a massive clue, to be honest, to some people listening. No one else seems to agree with me when it comes to this band. I bloody love them. No one else really does. Uh, And I will not spend the next 20 minutes defending this band. I refuse to do it because they're, they're, you know, I will spend the next 20 minutes singing about this band. Not literally. Um, (laughs) They're an Australian band. There's your next big clue. Loz, do you know I'm on about? Okay. Okay. Um, the only band, as soon as you said Australian, that comes to mind is In Excess, and I'm pretty certain it isn't them. So, no, it's not them. Uh, it's not Midnight Oil either. Uh, although I do, I do quite like Midnight Oil. Um, no, it's uh, the funny thing is I don't particularly like the name of the band. That's the one thing I don't like. It's Carnival. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it's spelt, so Carnival's spelt with a K, K, and then Vool, V-O-O-L. Um, mm. 
I, I don't mind it. It's kind of like a carnival of carnage, I think, is kind of almost what they're going for, you know? Well, I like how they call their fans vooligans, you know, I quite like that. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, like I said, it's hard to choose between two of the albums here um, because uh, you know how we talked about Tool, you know, and the 13-year gap between some of the records. Carnival have been like that. They've only released three albums, for goodness sake, and they've been around since, uh, well, they've been around for quite a while. Uh, and I think there was about a five, six year gap between the two albums that I'll talk about here. And there's been an even longer gap since uh, seven or eight years or something like that. The new one is supposedly in the pipeline, but it'll take as long as it takes. I, I don't want it to be rushed, but I have chosen one of the two, but I will talk about the other. Sorry, I'm outside the law. Submit your, <laughs> com- submit your complaints in writing. Um, so there's there's quite a lot of like prog metal prog rock that's quite popular at the moment there's bands like haken haken are all right i'm doing my thing now and i'm naming other bands haken are all right <laughs> they, they seem to be more popular um the vocalist irritates me but they've got an amazing guitarist and they do some cool stuff there's a band called caligula's horse um that are also really well known but carnival for me are just my favorite by far the, the most rounded they're a very like whole unit i guess in terms of terms of writing as well you know i suppose they're quite democratic you know everyone kind of contributes it's not as if it's not like pink floyd where roger waters is writing everything or even opeth where michael was you know carnival or a band where one of my favorite words synergy you know between like all the band members is what then yields a song you know it's like it comes out that way which is amazing i suppose i should name some of the individuals with this band like let's start with a drummer right arguably my favorite drummer around at the moment he's called steve judd this guy, we talk about like how, you know, naturally music over the course of goodness knows how many decades now, saturated market and all that, um, somewhat starved of maybe original new ideas. But Steve Judd somehow comes out with some really original like beats and stuff. He's got this amazing rhythmic like capability, but like I say, he still manages to keep it accessible. He's sensational. And uh, well, you know, it, they are a criminally underrated band and he is a criminally underrated drummer. So get two shots. Clink. Clink, clink. Mm. Um, and both guitarists kind of share rhythm and lead duties. But um, I especially want to mention Drew Goddard, who I've got great respect for as a human being, actually. And I've, I've just tremendous respect for him. He's an amazing guitarist as well, obviously. But if you watched an interview with Drew Goddard, I think you'd see what I mean. He's just such a natural guy. Just just a lovely guy, clearly. You know, of all kind of the bands we talk about and stuff, I would love to meet Drew Goddard. I really would. And then, well, you've got, you've got the vocalist called Ian Kenny, who he's, again, we talk about vocalists. He's probably the most divisive uh, in terms of like make or break on whether you're going to take to the band like I did. I think he's the reason some people just don't like Carnival because... Well, his stage presence, for starters, is, is I, I love it. I mean, he's very tall. Uh, hang on, you just messaged me, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Um, Keep it going. Sorry, no, I just, I wasn't sure if it was audio issues or something. Oh, no, no. I, oh, I, no I'd, it's, I'd, I'd, I'd have probably yelled. You just shared a message in Zoom, and I thought, oh, let's check this out, because it might be that there's, <laughs> there's some sort of audio hiccup or something that I need to be aware of. No, Loz has just sent me, <laughs> pick your favourite classic Euro kits. In the build-up to Euro 2020, we gathered 
I mean, I, I, I apologise. It's just that I happened to see it, uh, it come up, and I know uh, you're a, a bit of a kit aficionado, and I was like, oh, I know someone will like this. Uh, yeah, apologies. Uh, my, my mind started to wonder just because I'd, I'd got the uh, BBC football page up, and I, I saw that. I'm um, sorry if I'm boring you. No, no, it, it was on in the background, and I just happened to see uh, the, the, the shortened title of Flick to Succeed Low as Germany Boss. And I was just like, what great name, Flick. Reminds me of hair flick. Anyway, we have absolutely... It's completely my fault. I apologise. Please continue. Absolute knobhead. Yep. Um, right. So Ian Kenny uh, is... Well, what was I talking about? Well, uh, uh, his stage presence is funny because he's he's very, like he's quite tall. I'd say maybe 6'3 or 6'4 or something like that. Mm. And I mean, that's tall enough, isn't it? I mean, I, I used to work with someone who was 6'10, right? Mm. And Yeah, I mean, that's... Trust me, like you can't prepare yourself for that first encounter with someone of that height. I remember meeting him and just like everyone else probably does with him, shaking hands, going, oh, yeah, how you doing, mate? Good to meet you. And making it look like I'm not internally going, Jesus Christ. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Fuck, it's a human ladder. (laughs) Right, Ian Kenny is quite tall. He's not that tall, maybe 6'2 or something, um, which is not the measurement of someone anyway, is it? But... Um, literally is in some respects but yeah carry on but hit like his movements and like mannerisms are quite amusing and you know peculiar or unorthodox at times but i mean let me get to the crux of the matter here uh, and of course what makes him the vocalist for the band it's his voice now i think he's got a wonderful voice uh he can reach great heights with it he, he's very versatile not maybe quite to the level of cedric from the miles Walter, but like up there, you know, like literally up there. And he does it very naturally with no strain. You know, I talked about how, I don't know, the likes of David Bowie. I, I've got great respect for David Bowie, but I just don't like his voice. I never have because it just sounds strained. Whereas with Ian Kenny, he can reach these great heights and just very naturally. And with, yeah, I'd kill for his voice. <laughs> I mean, if I possessed, I mean, you've heard me maybe sing a little bit here and there down the podcast and, you know. I'm not a singer and Ian Kenny is, and it's quite explainable really. But if I possessed a voice like his, I'd genuinely, you know, probably looked to go into that as a career. Mm. Um, anyway, back on point. A lot of people don't seem to like his voice, which I just, I genuinely don't understand. I mean, I accept it, but anyway, I've not actually spoken about their album yet, have I? No, I don't think so, no. Um, right. So they've only made three, as I said. Uh, and this one is commonly recognised as their best album. I, I'd say so too. Like I say, I really struggled to choose between the two, but I had to. And mm. I'm going to go with Sound Awake. Now, uh, yeah, their debut w- was, I'm just looking at this now, 2005. And then this was their second in 2009. And then, uh, yeah, I will mention their third, which I think was 2013. Uh, so, you know, sort of a four-year gap between each of those. And then, you know, well, do the maths. Eight years and no, seven years and counting. Eight years and counting. Yeah, and the new one's still not there. <laughs> it's cooking up, uh, but it's a it's a very slow cooker. So, God, that was cheesy. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, that was awful. I apologise. No end. Um, so yeah, they take their time with the albums. Is the point I'm making, and like I can sort of hear that the fruit of that. You know, when I listen. Mm. It's it sounds beautifully honed, polished, sort of perfected time and time again. And they have a habit of actually trying songs out live. I mean, I talk about the weight between 
their last album and the, the next one. There have been variants of songs from that since about 2015. They've been kicking these songs around on the live circuit for about six years now. Um, and I like that because they they develop and, and the, they grow and like the, the, the fans have a kind of input in that as well. Like mm. They are a live band. They say it time to time again, they are a live band. And Sound Awake, which is the album we're talking about here, just hit its 10 year anniversary. And they really wanted to do like a, a special tour, you know, playing it in its entirety and stuff like that. And sadly, you know, in in the current um, climate, should we say that, you know, the current world situation, they couldn't go out and tour properly. So what they did was they filmed a gig where they played on stage, but sort of to themselves, um, but uh, released it, you know, like a live stream so everyone could watch. And I actually haven't seen it yet. I can't believe I haven't watched it yet. But oh, it's just a masterpiece. I mean, the, the reason that I chose this album I mean, it sounds brilliant sonically, actually. The production is superb. It's about as good as it gets, I'd say. Uh, mm. But it flows like a proper album. Well, just like all my top 10, really. But having said that, uh, this album is more like a collection of songs rather than any kind of concept, if you like. Whereas the, other, the, the one I'll sort of briefly mention afterwards is much more of a concept record, the way it flows and stuff. But yeah, this album is more just like a collection of songs, but it still flows very, very well. The thing that grabbed me the most when I first heard it was that typically most bands put their best material sort of up the front and centre, you know, like track two or three, you know, is maybe the first single, if you like, on the album. Mm. And they always make sure they get off to a strong start, which this album does, to be fair. But uh, I mean, although I would say every song is good on this record, it's sort of the final four songs that I'd say are the best. There's a song called The Chordal Law, which, as far as I'm concerned, has the most complex time signature ever. I don't think even they know what it is. They just sort of know how to play it, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And then, as with all epic riffs, Lars, it's heralded by a gong. And yeah, it's, it's suitably epic, trust me. But then, special mention and shout out to the, like, the final two tracks in particular, which are definitely the top two on the album. Both epics. And like when I first heard this album, I was enjoying it a lot. You know, but then I got to these two tracks at the end. And at the time I was like, oh my God, like this is the best thing I've heard in years. Like it, it just hit me so hard. Mm. And maybe the most popular of the two. Uh, and maybe the one I should probably say would be the introduction. And actually, no, I'm not. I, I'll, I would say the introduction would be the one after this. But um, a very good track to listen to as an introduction to the band uh, is Dead Man, as one word, like Dead Man, mm-hmm. which. It's wonderful. To be fair, again, it features one of the best guitar solos. But no, my favourite of the two, and in fact, probably my favourite tune they've ever done, is the final track, which is called Change. So that would be my go-to carnival track, Change, which is about 10 minutes long or something like that. I mean, it's epic from the very first second. You'll know what I mean when you hear it. It sets such a tone for like what's to come. In that, it's, it's kind of the whole band at their best individually and also as a unit. It's an incredible piece of music. And it it sums up everything about them in one track. So yeah, do check out Change. There's probably some very good live videos of that on YouTube. Uh, there's Change Part One off the previous album, and then Change Part Two, which is the one I'm on about off this album. But live, they combine the two, which makes it even better. So, nice. um, but you'll know when Part Two kicks in because just the crowd, like you'll just you'll know when Part Two kicks in. It's quite early on. And I suppose if you watch the live video, you'll see what I mean about Ian Kenny's mannerisms. You know, and I love some of the lyrics in this song as well. Like, you'll never leave this world alone. And um, 
there's so many great riffs in that song. And if you want an epic drum outro, Lars, do not look any further. So, yeah, I, I really latched onto this album because, like I said, it kind of has the complexities of musicianship and that level of technical talent is obviously available to them. But it, it kind of manifests in a way that's beautifully just simple and catchy and accessible. That's why it ranks so highly for me, because it's, it is very accessible, I'd say. Um, I love simplicity done well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I want something that grabs me by the testicles, like on first listen, but then at the same time, slowly just releases more and more, even by the 50th listen. And this album is just that. Mm. Um, but as much as like, it was immediate for me to hear it, of course, but it took them, you know, four years of labor to make it. And I can hear that, you know, in it, you know, it just, it's like I say, it's the band that down the years, no one's really agreed with me on. And at times it's almost thrown my my respect of those people into jeopardy because like <laughs> I can hear craft in, in this and you know anything that anyone has used to discredit what they're about. Mm. And I'm like, no, that's bollocks. So yeah, there's it's it's catchy, but then with that intricacy as well, and it adds this whole other dimension on top of that. You know, it's it's kind of the intricacy that keeps me listening today. Um, mm. And, you know, that on top of that catchiness is quite rare, really. You know, I don't know of many bands that can really do both. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I heard it because it was when I first worked in the NHS. Ah. It's, it's not a story particularly worth boring you with. But like those who've read my book might take an interest in this because actually, uh, well, I'm talking about the album that followed this up now called Asymmetry. Right. Which is a masterpiece. To be honest, probably objectively, I'd say that they're best, I think. Um, but a lot of Carnival fans don't quite like it as much as Sound Awake, just because maybe it's just a little bit rough around the edges and more conceptual, dare I say it, a little bit more mm. pretentious. It's kind of, it's just not got the immediate punch that Sound Awake has. But I love it. Anyway, the point I'm making here is that I, I got into Carnival when I first heard Sound Awake, which was when I first worked in the NHS. And by the time the agonising four-year wait for their follow-up, Asymmetry, coincided with uh, an amazing like period in my personal life which anyone who's read the book will certainly know of the name Kerry you won't know her as Kerry last because you, you know her real name but mm. um, I will always remember kind of asymmetry finally being released and, and I loved it as much as I was hoping you know it, it didn't disappoint mm. and, and that coincided with me and Kerry like first getting together which funnily enough also had a sort of four-year build-up because um well just read the book you know what i mean uh, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm go into it now no so, spoilers i mean it was just it, it was a massive like deal in my life you know both of those things at the time it was a huge deal and so yeah of course like we all have strong memories by association don't we you know we all associate uh, hmm. uh you know seeing a film or an album with just a very very specific scenario where we heard it I mean, not so long ago, I listened to an album by Go Go Penguin, which took me right back to a very specific moment in my life where I was in Cornwall writing, <laughs> a, biz- writing a business plan to buy a pub or take over a pub. Oh, I remember. Yeah. and That, so it's, that time it, anyway. Yeah. It's, it's so funny that like I heard that album and it took me right back to like I can picture the hotel room, you know, where I was like drawing this up. It was, yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, that, to be fair, that, that wasn't interesting enough to make it into my book in terms of my life. But uh, <laughs> like, that sounds arrogant, but like, Lars, you know why that just didn't quite make it in compared to what did. Yeah, quite. But anyway, 
<laughs> I've, I've never been more obsessed with the impending release of an album than I was with Asymmetry. Wow. And yeah, Asymmetry finally released in the same month that sort of Kerry and I finally got together. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll always have very strong and fond memories of both. You know, it was one of the probably one of the happiest months of my life, really. And though, like, although Kerry and I didn't work out, shall we say, uh, it will never stop me adoring Asymmetry. Nothing, <laughs> nothing. I'm sorry, that, that's great that, that your relationship fell apart, but you can still appreciate this album. <laughs> yeah, you get the point. I'm, well, maybe you don't get the point I'm making because there's a lot of trauma attached, actually, with how that relationship yes, yeah. went. But even that wasn't enough to, to, to put me off hearing Asymmetry ever again, you know? Like, it's not as I, if I hear, I hear asymmetry and I'm swept back to, like, a dark period of my life. Not at all. I'm actually swept back to a very happy period of my life. Yeah, so, like I say, that and Sound Awake were very interchangeable. In some ways, I do think asymmetry is the best. And really, they probably should both be in my top ten. But, no, I just about gave it to, to Sound Awake, which I think is the, the most consistent sort of collection of songs, the more accessible. Uh, and so, well, now, that felt long can, talking about that band. But um, can, can you do me a favour, just just because I've heard much talk about Carnival. I again, I find myself not being able to pin down a particular track of theirs. I'm sure I probably heard some in in sort of passing almost. Can you sort of say or oh, give us a ballpark of like, oh, they might be similar to another band that we've talked about, just to give us a bit of um, comparison. Yeah, I can actually. And funnily enough, I'll, I'll liken them to a band which, as weird as this might sound, I don't consider them that similar to. But everyone mm. else does. And it's Tool. Oh, OK. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, you'll probably see it. You know, if you, go, if you look at one of their tracks on YouTube or something, you go into the comments. There's so many people are like, oh, this is like Tool. I don't hear it, to be honest. I, I really don't quite fathom how people just consider them that similar. Sure. I don't think they're cut from the same cloth at all. They're similar. Well, I mean, the to, to, to give you my insight for, for whatever it is, um, I was half expecting you to say something like Cult of Luna because it, it, I don't oh, no, know why no, they no, no. seem seeming like a, a similar time that they both sort of came on the scene, but obviously not. No, no, very different. Cult of Luna are sort of doomy post-metal, whereas uh, Carnival are kind of probably more rock than metal, really. I mean, right, there, right. there is one heavy track, which is on Asymmetry, which I love, which is, oh God, I can't remember what it's called now. So sorry. I'm going to have to Google it because otherwise it'll annoy me. Hang on a minute. I've got the album. Sorry. Why am I Googling it when I've got the album to my left? Hang on a second. Only you know why. Carnival, Asymmetry, The Refusal. <laughs> the Refusal. That's a great track. Asymmetry is great. I mean, I almost want to change my mind and say Asymmetry is my number eight. You know, it's, that I really couldn't pick between the two. No, I, I, so sorry to address your question properly. Yeah, people mm. consider them similar at all. I don't. Okay. I would say a lot of people say they're like Deftones as well. I, I, again, I don't hear that. Mm. Um, I don't know, really. But I, I do. Well, in that, in that case, that, that makes me want to check them out even more because if they're fulfilling their own little niche then they definitely deserve a listen then i'll just listen to change by carnival it's um i think they've got quite a unique sound and like i say you know i i refuse to defend them because they're brilliant they're brilliant there we go wow that felt long um talking about that album i do apologize (laughs) so loz back to you um, well, well, well. Now, the, 
the, the funny thing about this selection is it's almost a surprise to me. <laughs> There's lots of albums that I, you know, sort of had in the in, in, in mind for thinking, you know, when when I'm going to do my top 10 albums, these are the, the albums that I've got in mind. And I think I said to you, when, when first sort of starting out on this voyage, I decided to listen through a few of the, the albums that I thought, oh, yeah, I really remember uh, listening to them. I mean, w- one of the ones that, that jumps to mind is like Puddle of Mud. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed uh, some of their music when I was younger. And I, I re-listened to the album and it really is like a two, three track album. Um, and and the rest of- is sort of middling. Have you seen Puddle of Mud covering, I think it's a Nirvana track or something like that. It's almost as if they were intentionally doing a horrible performance. The mm. vocalist, it's, it's hard. To, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Like, I, I kind of felt really sorry for the vocalist during that. Mm. Because, yeah, it's, it, well, you know, it, it, I, I went through a weird sort of series of emotions watching that because I thought, oh, my God, like, if this is serious, if, yeah. they're, not, if they're not putting this out as a joke then, oh, just, yeah, I, I felt for them. But yeah, I quite liked Puddle of Mud during school days. Yeah. But we're not talking uh, so about th- them. I, I was going to say, there's are, lots, lots of, uh, uh, well, yeah, exactly, not that we should be. Uh, there's lots of uh, um, albums like that where I've, I've re-evaluated and thought, really, you know, on, on, on the whole, I, I must say, um, no, I can't, I can't sign off as that being a particularly great album. And, and in, you know, trying to sort of uh, fill up the, the rest of the spots in my uh, my roster, as it were. Uh, as I say, um, I'd often surely it's heard all him filler, as... no filler, surely. Yeah, well, you know, I'd like to think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> although some forty one are not present, this was probably another album that oh yeah uh, would have would have featured as a, as a much younger Loz, but not now. Yeah, there's a band um, we probably should have mentioned during the prologue when we talked about Linkin Park and Limp Bizkit. Mm, like, yeah, it's too late now. It's too late for that now, Stella. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to stop waffling because that is seemingly the order of the day, and I'm going to fucking smack on and uh, and and tell you all smack to on, check brother. out smack on here on a. Oh, where do I do it? Where do I do it? No, oh Jesus, this has gone off the rails. This has. I apologise to everybody uh, for nothing. Uh, it, it's Twister. It's Twister with Kamikaze. Oh, Twister, uh, basically the fastest rapper of all time, as far as I can Yeah, remember. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. As I say, I, I, I was more familiar with him as sort of like a featured artist on other people's stuff, and I'd always sort of really appreciated how um, how well he pronunciates, pronunciates, oh, dear Lord, it's been a long day, uh, how he pronounces the, the words and yet still gets that speed out. I mean, there's some rappers that, that sort of go, and you're just like, what? If you listen to Twister, you'll, you'll know what we're talking about. Just It's ridiculous, the diction that he possesses. Mm. Yeah, you, you, you can really hear, you know, obviously there is there's some sort of word blurring when, you, when you're going that fast. But um, yeah, it's, it's an, an amazingly clear sort of uh, performance, really. Um and I've, it's just an artist that I've always enjoyed. And the, when I sort of sat down, as I say, to, to evaluate these albums, I thought, well, I've always liked Twister. Let's, let's put his album on. Because I remember there's a few good songs on there. And, you know, the, the first couple of songs came on. I was just like, oh, especially I, I think it's the first track. Oh, in fact, uh, just whilst we're, uh, we're on the subject, my, my chosen track to, um, to give you all a, a, a taster of, of Kamikaze is, is a lovely track called 
Kill Us All, which is number two. Uh, but I just, it's just a really iconic beat, and I, I just couldn't sort of get away from it. It really uh, is, is a great intro to to what Twister's all about. But yeah, there's, there's, it is a really uh, quite an odd album, I suppose, in a way, in that you know there's um, some sort of quite gangstery stuff. There's some uh, almost like soul inflected stuff uh, with Kanye West, and there's, there's also some sort of like quite nice positive uh i mean he he does um uh over he, he they sample a bit of um bill withers uh you know uh, lovely day love you know uh, you, you know day. yeah yeah when i wake up in the morning yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly the sunlight hurts my eyes. Oh, nice. uh you know really like hopeful nice like pleasant songs and i was just like oh I, i'm not didn't necessarily uh sort of expect this from twister and it's it's a real really nice couple of songs to group together well yeah good on you good on you son i don't know any um, of his tracks by name but i'll remember them if i hear them because i remember twister being around and yeah well no we got um kill us all which i say is, is is my personal choice and we got uh slow jams featuring kanye west and jamie fox which was um it, that it was rings a, a big hit at the time yeah that was probably the track that made him famous and the one that i think i was introduced to i want by. some marvin gay some luther vandross little leader definitely set this party your right yeah um yeah. and then overnight celebrity which was also like I, I, I think I understood that Kanye West did slow jams with Twister and Jamie Foxx for Kanye's album. And right. Twister sort of said, I love that song so much. Can I have it? And they sort of went, okay, we'll put it on both albums. And then they did Overnight Celebrity, which was supposed to be almost like the make good for him not having slow jams. And in the end, he was just like, can I just have them both? So they're, they're, they're grouped together and that, that works. And for anyone and, that uh, wants to, anyone that wants to go off and check out Twister, I suppose one of us should say that it's Twister with an A rather than yes, because uh, I, presumably so he couldn't get sued by Hasbro or Waddingtons or whatever for the, like <laughs> for for a certain well-known family game that results in multiple injuries usually. And I suppose there is the the, the famous TV show Twenty Four with old Kiefer Sutherland, and uh, you know you don't want no beef with Keith. Do you know what I mean? Hang on a minute. Sorry, why is why is Twenty Four coming to this? Have I missed something? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm we're looking at the track listings. We're, we're looking at the track listings, and there's a song called "Like a 24." I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I've brain scrambled. No, it's, got, it's fine. It, it made sense to you, but like because you had the conduit between point one and point two, yes, whereas, yeah, yeah. whereas I, no one else did. It's no one like else did. No, a, a quantum leap in like topic. Um, <laughs> so I, I just wanted to talk about Kiefer Sutherland. Apparently, so um, I think it's 20. Sutherland, but I've decided to pronounce his name with a V in there. Because you know I'm, I'm I'm down with the streets. There's there's a a, a song title called Badunkadunk, which <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. just makes me piss. Um, well, so, I, I know this is LL Cool J, where it's like you got a badunkadunk girl, don't hurt nobody. Yeah. <laughs> so, which again, if you're talking about um, Angus Deaton, you've got a badunkadunk girl, don't hurt nobody. Quite. Uh, yeah. Again, you know, I like quite a a lot of my choices. It's 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 really good fun. Uh, it's it's another one that I've definitely been rocking, sort of riding around in the car. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Twi- Twister is is quite a spectacle in of himself. So yeah, go, go and go and check him out. Well, I mean, I, I, 
you know, my kind of top albums are often quite complex, conceptual and stuff like that. But I love nothing more, a case in point with the last band I talked about, than just something you can belt out in the car at the top of your lungs that's catchy. Mm. I love driving music above anything. I mean, like, I, I, I love a power ballad, I won't lie. Um, mm. I can't remember the name of the station, but like when I was driving two hours a day for work, well, not for work, but to get to and from work. And yeah, it's just, you know, Aerosmith, don't want to miss a thing. You know, I, that's the sort <laughs> that's the sort of thing I want to listen to when I'm driving, you know? Although I hope you weren't like literally like f- miming along to the words when he says, I don't want to close my eyes and you close your eyes. No, because the point is, I don't want to close my eyes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see close you. close my eyes. Don't want to work your way out of my track. Yeah, so. <laughs> Because I've hit you, babe. Yeah. And I don't want to make a claim. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh. I've, I've said it before. Why, why are we not in advertising? We, we, we could make this stuff up in our sleep. Well, we've, we've gone from Twister to Aerosmith to road accidents. For Christ's sake. So oh, uh, Makes sense to me. So um, uh, I'm afraid I can't really uh, say anything else about Twister because I don't really remember a great deal. And so I've got nothing of value to offer, clearly, because I've just uh, like literally driven us off off the road with Aerosmith. I was going to say to to a lot of people, I think he is just oh that guy who goes really fast. But actually, um, I think if you listen to him, I mean, it's it's I don't think it's going to be you know it's not going to be a religious experience that changes your life. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's got some some suitable content in there, and uh, and and seems to be uh, quite a, quite a pleasant chap at the end of the day. If you check out Twister on YouTube. Go into that, you know, drop speed to 0.5 and and then you'll hear a fairly typical rapper, really, because he's like, he's so fast at, at times. He doesn't always do it. It's not as if it's a gimmick that he relies upon. It's just that he's got it in his locker, you know, when he wants to. Yeah, it certainly doesn't do like the chorus quite necessarily uh, in, in, in double speed. But yeah, most of the verses are, are, are pretty rapid. I mean, if he did it nonstop, it would just, it would wear thin very quickly wouldn't it it would get great yes there's there's definitely some variation it's not like a drum and bass sort of like you know you know it's it's, there is more to it than that it's it's not quite so robotic but it is literally like you know it is that it is that pace that tempo hidden when i get a winner with a rhythm yeah it's insane it's insane what you can do yes and 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 there there are a few other people that could that could hope to replicate it, and therefore is worthy of your time and attention. Quite. Here's a very different record, um, and well, funny enough, this is the only time that the same band will feature twice in my top ten. Good lord! I know, and we've already heard them feature once because it was my number ten. So, Lars, I'll be offended if you can't remember that. Who was my number 10? <laughs> oh, it's so long ago. Um, you're going to have to be offended here, I'm afraid, because I haven't the foggiest. I'm sorry. We're talking about Radiohead, man. We're talking about, like, I would... Well, let's, let's, in proud tradition now, begin this segment with a bold claim. Is it time to, to raise your glasses? No. Um, well, maybe because then because they're, they're not criminally underrated. So no, they're not criminally underrated. But I suppose you, you know, if you want to extend this drinking game to like every time I make a bold comment or claim, that would work, wouldn't it? Or saying really yeah. quite, really quite accessible. Actually, that's another thing I like to say. 
Uh, right, anyway, before I lose my train of thought, no, right, so bold comment, incoming. I would say, after Pink Floyd, Radiohead are the best British band of all time. Ooh. And it's difficult to, you know, that there are, there are some that are up there with them. Um, Gentle Giant for one, but Radiohead are... I, I said my piece last time round on, like, just the uh, the idea of Radiohead. Do you know what I mean? It's like people mm. have made their minds up that they're, oh, no, I'm not going to listen to this. I'll slit my wrists. You know? Yeah, yeah. You're just a twat. No, so, right, this is uh, this is Radiohead, and it's Kid A. Of course it's Kid A. Mm. I mean, if anyone was expecting me to say, OK, Computer, well, well, you're wrong, aren't you? Mm. OK, Computer was the album before this. And you could argue that it was their breakthrough album. I mean, I'm always interested in albums that are like a transition between two periods for a band artistically or whatever. And their first two albums were kind of, well, it's the likes of Creep, you know, we talked about this before. Mm. And then album number three was OK Computer, which is just commonly regarded as like the best album by anyone ever. You know, it it was literally... um, Empire Magazine or one of, uh, maybe it was um, uh, Enemy or something like that, literally made it number one ever by anyone ever, uh, which which I would staunchly disagree with. Not that I dislike the album, but it's just like, no, it's just... Well, otherwise it'd be number one, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's just not the best album ever. It's not even in their top three. But I suppose the reason I'm talking about... Is that another spoiler, sorry? No. Oh, okay. No, no, this is the, the second and last time I'll mention Radiohead. Because this is their best album by far for me. Ah, I see. Uh, and so, I mean, the reason I want to kind of just continue slightly mentioning OK Computer, like I say, you could argue that was their breakthrough album, and it, it kind of represents a part of the band's history that just doesn't quite grab me in the same way. It's it's kind of the album that's between the early stuff, which I'm not really into, and then the, the later stuff, which in particular, like Kid A announced with a band. And so I'm interested in that transition. Mm-hmm. And OK Computer's great. Paranoid Android is a brilliant tune. Karma Police, that's like one of their ultimate anthems, and I can sort of understand why. Uh, But yeah, Kid A represented, I'd say, a seismic shift in their sound, and that can't be overstated enough. I mean, the level of fame, they were just immediately thrust into like the big, big time, you know, with OK Computer. Mm -hmm. And there was, a I don't know, maybe about a three-year gap or something like that before Kid A, which was on the about the turn of the millennium, actually. It was 2000. And they all but sort of ditched guitars on this album, uh, but for a few tracks, which ironically are three of my favourites, probably. But, like, <laughs> but like, here's the thing, right? Uh, and I suppose probably all of the albums here on. I feel like I love the last three I've mentioned, Sound Awake slash Asymmetry, because I couldn't choose between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, cardiac sing to god and radiohead in rainbows but here onwards kid a all the way through to six five four three two and one are just totally on another level for me and um they're, they're kind of it's they're not just a collection of songs that they're not even just an album almost it's like they're their own world i don't know if you know what i mean by that i'll allow you to elaborate well i don't really know how that they they <laughs> they really do feel like their own world, which like exists outside of anything else that's ever happened before musically, or even indeed in, in within their own uh, history or discography as a band. And like that nothing else will ever sound like again. Mm. And definitely Kid A 
I mean, yeah, I mean, well, definitely all of my top seven, but like, yeah, Kid A is, is a prime example of an album that just feels like a world um, mm. goes just, it goes beyond music. It's, it's almost, it's film-like in, in that sense. It's, it's multi-sensory, I'd say. Uh, as yeah, funny enough, as I was, sounds... I was just thinking that's, that's how I feel about The Godfather, you know? Yeah. It's sort of yeah. like a will to itself and that, you know, there'll never be anything like it again. It transcends the medium in which it had to be made. Um mm. And it's just its own, well, it's its own world, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm not going to, well, maybe I should talk through it because there's not many tracks on this album. And actually, this makes sense to maybe just do a little talk through of each track because, sure, or at least most of them, because, well, it's just a f-ing masterpiece. So <laughs> Kid A starts with a very recognisable Radiohead track. One of the few on Kid A, which is like a, what you might call an anthem or one that they often play live, but because, A, because I think this album suits just being listened to in its entirety and b because it's it's not really one of the more accessible ones in fact it's arguably the least accessible uh, along with amnesiac uh, which amnesiac was the leftovers from this recording by the way even though it features probably the best radiohead song ever which is pyramid song how they could leave that off an album my goodness i just bow in awe to that just because it didn't suit the album i guess although i could sort of hear pyramid song being on this album and it could work oh, probably shit. but they did you're right Sorry about that. That's all right. I just heard you go, oh, shit. I didn't hear anything else. Oh, oh, in that case, I, I, that's, that's all good. Because um, all of a sudden, um, one of the songs I got uh, lined up for later just started playing on me. And I was like, no! <laughs> no, I didn't hear anything. I was waffling there anyway. And I haven't even mentioned the name of the song yet. So uh, it's Everything in Its Right Place, which is a stunning way to open an album. And once more, and indeed, just like everything that's coming up on my list, it just for a first track it sets the tone wonderfully it's simple chord progression as indeed most of their songs were like before this but this has this electronic keyboard tinge to it i suppose <clears throat> and then a stack of weird vocal effects and stuff uh, that really make this sound quite beautifully alien almost and i suppose i mean if that sound sounded well yeah if you listen to it and you think that sounds alien then wait till you get into track two which is the title track. And for, <clears throat> for those who were such fans of The Bends, which is understandable because mm-hmm. just catchy rock music, really. If they were, you know, back, back in the world before the likes of Spotify and YouTube and stuff, you know, someone would have waited for the, the day of the album's release, gone down to Our Price or HMV, bought the, the CD or the vinyl, had the agonizing journey home, uh, and then, then got home, pulled up their favorite chair, uh, poured a glass of wine and then put this album on a lot of people would have just been so annoyed after having gone through all of the aforementioned excitement and hype and then just to to hear an album that could not be further from that earlier stuff and so the i mean track two is the i guess the point i'm making here like must have really jarred those people who were hoping for more of the bends or even okay computer because it's like a continuation of the first track but just even weirder even more vocal effects and electronics going but i hope those people persevered and listened to the rest of the record and indeed anyone else that might go off and listen to this off the back of my review because uh, we get we do get into more accessible territory here on because there's the national anthem which is such an anthemic like simple bass line but just sufficiently enjoyable to sort of carry the entire song to be honest this like swirl of brass and stuff it's much more upbeat it's the first time we hear proper drums on the album 
and it, it's it's just hard not to bang your head to that tune to be fair I don't know if you're making a note of any of these tracks, but I'll, I'll get to this. is going to be a very difficult one for me to choose, like an introductory. I, I'll, in fact, I haven't done so yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll say everything I want to say about Kid A and then I'll try and decide at the end. Okay. In terms of like, this is the track to check out. Because well, I've, it, I've lined up all of your previous recommended tracks. So, you know, this, this is important. Okay. Well, I mean, Lars, you've probably heard some of the tracks on this. I mean, everything in its right place for starters. Yeah. You know, most people have heard that. Uh, I'll I'll get I'll, well I'll get through the rest of the album now. Um, uh, drums, so yeah, like no drums. That was Rowley Birkins. Yeah, yeah, kiddo. One girl was very badly burned. Yeah. <laughs> Frightened deer in the woods. They put their guitars down. <laughs> Witness my father throw the album in the river. Um, right. After the national anthem, the the drums disappear again altogether for the following track, which uh, is aptly titled "How to Disappear Completely," which I believe is like Tom York's favorite Radiohead song. Oh, I think it's his favorite song they've ever done, along with "Videotape," which I talked about in the last episode, uh, and "Daydreaming." Actually, I remember him saying, "I, I personally, I, I yeah, Daydreaming would be my favorite of the three, probably," but. Um, yeah, how to disappear completely is a very moving, very melancholic. You know, we 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 talk about, or I talk about, like how I feel they're slightly unjustly pigeonholed into the like, oh, you know, depressing. Not really, but this this track is the reason why they do get pigeonholed because, just like anything that's uplifting, you know, it 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 almost requires uh, its counterpart, you know, mm. to, to to be effective. So yeah, th- this would be a, a prime example of just a very melancholic haunting piece i guess and then like and then we get into the next track which is uh much well yeah so that was an acoustic song and then this next track's very guitar driven charging glasses because (laughs) i mean this might be my favorite song on the entire album actually um no actually sorry i've got this out of order um i should have probably got uh, wikipedia up or at least uh, at the very least pulled the album off the shelf to my left I, I'm just sort of talking off my, well, just, 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 spouting. just talking bollocks, really. Just talking you know. bollocks, yeah. No, the next track is called Optimistic, which is, uh, you know, immediately accessible, unlike most tracks on this record, I would say. So Optimistic's a great one. And, you know, a contender for the one I would say listen to this first you know but no then we get into the track i was thinking of originally which is it's also very much guitar driven but um yeah probably my favorite track on the the album it's called in limbo Mm. and one of the things i love about this song is it's like it's polyrhythmic but in a simple way polyrhythmic uh, layman's terms just means two different rhythms happening at the same time and they sort of meet back at each other uh, at certain points Maybe the easiest way for me to explain would be for me to actually like just play it. Um, Maybe I don't know. I, I could, well, I did this last time with Radiohead, didn't I? I tapped it out on the table. Yeah, um, but like, just listen to the bloody album, people. Yeah, listen to In Limbo, and you'll see what I mean with the beat. Like, it's like boom, 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 and, and like, and, but then the guitar riff and the drums, like, uh, just on a slightly different 
rhythm and then they meet back up and so like each time the guitar riff starts it starts with a, a alternating part of the drums i've done a terrible job of explaining that uh, anyone who's <laughs> like who knows their music theory is just that that would have been like nails on a blackboard so i do apologize but yeah in limbo would be another prime contender for like a track to just listen to not because i think it's the it's the best introduction but just because it's my favorite probably and i've just spent a great deal of time trying to explain it so the, the guitar and the drums have this glorious kind of independence from each other that like but they keep meeting back up and they swirl together it's like it's part of this world like i say that the whole album has sort of created this vibe and then that goes into i think the disco quote unquote track on the album which you've probably heard Lars, and most people have idiota <laughs> Does that ring a bell? Uh, afraid not. It's anthemic, to use that word again. It's often the track people remember this album for. It's kind of a more upbeat dance number that hints perhaps at what's to come from subsequent records. But again, here, it kind of works in the context and the bigger picture of the world that this album has created. You know? I mean, I really don't know if I'm getting too in-depth here at times, like too much even for this podcast, but I hope you're not irritated or bored by me just loving things like this as much as i do or talking about this in this level of detail because it, it's kind of all i know and like <laughs> it, as such it wouldn't be the scott and lost show if scott wasn't being scott so very true i've got such love for things like this i can't tell you so back to idiotech it's again another contender for like check this out first you may have already heard it though to be fair it's up like... it's got a really almost aggressive beat and it's the first thing you'll hear it's just, it's so imposing. So you've got this stomping electronica of Idiotech in it, and then a wonderful, like, warm keyboard sort of track called Morning Bell, which is lovely. And then it runs into the final track, which is called Motion Picture Soundtrack, which is a strangely fitting way to close out an album such as this, because it's such a journey. Um, mm. Kid A, I'd be mad if I didn't sort of at least go back to this point off the back of the success of OK Computer. You know, goodness knows what the expectation was on their next release, even if the band didn't feel it, but certainly from, you know, from the outside. And really what Kid A was, was in some ways like a middle finger to the the zeitgeist that like wanted and expected an OK Computer Mark II. Mm. But they did what they felt right to do. And I can't commend that enough. You know, like I say, given the commercial pressure that was likely upon them after having released what, like I said, many people call the greatest rock album ever, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's not just that that commands my, my love and respect, but no, like musically, this is my favourite album of theirs, regardless of what it did for the music industry, etc. I mean, that just adds to my love for it, but perhaps more so for them as people over musicians, whereas mm. uh, just Kid A musically is my favourite thing they've done. Um, you know, they may be musicians by work, but they are people, and that's, that just really comes across... And as such, any, any person with a degree of love and intelligence wouldn't slate or knock them for doing what they felt was right for them. But like sure. they, they got so much stick for this album. But I just don't think they cared. If they cared, they wouldn't have released Kid A in the first place, let's face it. And like I say, they followed up with Amnesiac, which just says it all. I mean, I, I will end this with the, the bold comment, which I started with, I believe, which is that along with Pink Floyd, I would call Radiohead the greatest British band ever mm. and actually it'll be interesting to see in a couple of decades time how they're remembered because you know thankfully there is a subset of humanity that are like keeping music alive you know and that, who will never never forget and so hopefully albums like this never get forgotten 
Mm. Because Dark Side of the Moon and the like are remembered largely, I think, just because of like sales numbers and things like that. Um, whereas Kid A won't be remembered for that down the line. And if it does get forgotten, it'll be forgotten by people that um, I'm not bothered about them having forgotten it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because, you know, the, as long as you want to forget about. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, right, I've got to try and choose a track off this album. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I mean, I'm going to say in limbo, actually, because it's it's not the most accessible. Nothing off this album is that accessible. Um, mm. Yeah. In limbo. Um, no, I, I don't want to um, pee on your parade, as it were. Uh, and, and I, you know, I really respect the um, the musicianship and the thought that goes into a, a lot of the Radiohead stuff. And I always thought it was funny. I, I heard them once referred to as uh, like Coldplay, but with sincerity and talent. <laughs> so I thought it was great. Um, for me personally, Radiohead have really been a sort of a, if I like a song that I, if I find a song that I like, it really rings a bell and I'm, you know, I'm there all the way and I'm just like, oh, okay, this is great. Mm. And I've, I find them a really difficult band to get into personally. And I've tried going down the wormhole, uh, you know, on YouTube and sort of going on a playlist and sort of, you know, if you're not digging that one, right, try the next one, try the next one, try the next one. And I've struggled to find, you know, as I say, it tends to be very much all or nothing for me. Either I'm digging it, yeah, this is great. Yeah. Or there was, I, I remember very, very vividly, they've got one song with, I, I apologise because this is not going to be about the, the album, so I should probably curtail this. No, no, go, but go on. There, there's a, a video where uh, Tom is is sort of walking through and opening doors and every door he gets to, it like opens to... Um, yeah, that's, that's Daydreaming uh, off the last record, yeah. Mm. And I really like it as a video and it's not a bad piece of music. You know, it's clearly sort of well done and... and, and uh, Fucking right, it isn't sort of melodic but i have to say personally for me I, I felt like i was wasting time watching it do you know what i mean like that's just genuinely i, I know you're probably clasping your forehead right now but I, I can just say that's genuinely how i felt you know well there's a couple of things for me to say there one you said that you were watching it rather than listening to it which is understandable because it's got the video and quite a striking yeah. video but radiohead are not really with the exception of that track are not really a band that just do music videos. You know, it's much more about listening mm. to it. And you've actually landed upon inadvertently probably the ultimate track of theirs, which requires a few lessons mm. for you to really get because on the surface, it's quite simple. Yes. Um, it really, it's just two piano riffs, isn't it? Uh, but which Johnny Greenwood, I think, plays actually on that one, um, even though he's the guitarist, whereas Tom York is typically the pianist and... Um, vocalist daydreaming is my favorite track they've released in years <laughs> yeah but i'm saying that because a i'm just a massive fan of the band but b mm. i've listened to it a lot more than you have and one yeah. listen or even maybe two or three listens to daydreaming uh you won't probably be in love with it after that or anywhere near it i mean you may not be in love with it after 50 listens i don't know sure i imagine i imagine you won't listen to it 50 times but well, day, I'm trying day, to. Sorry, daydream. I'm, try, I'm just. <laughs> I'm trying to think is, of like different titles yep, yep, to to, yep. <laughs> to to throw yep. at you. I mean, the one that keeps coming to me is uh, "Burn the Witch." I quite like that song. Well, that's um, yeah. That was uh, funny enough. I don't particularly like that song. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the first track off 
uh, Moon Shape Pool, which was their last album. And like there was such mm. a long, we talk about agonizing waits between albums. This is another prime example. And then they released Burn the Witch, and I thought, eh. I felt like after I'd heard it a few times, I'd, I'd heard it. Mm. It, it. It's not a bad piece of music. It's still head and shoulders above most things out there. But uh, again, it is, it is worth noting that I'm familiar with it, with the, re- the, um, the video where they're doing sort of like a, a version of The Shining with like little models. Well, it's Wicker Man for the record. Oh, I do uh, apologise. Yeah. I'll well, go and hang myself right now. No, no it's so, I, I mean, in fact, I'm negating something I previously said, because with that track, it is much more about the video, really, for me than the, the tune. Or at least mm. that's the thing I remember. The song doesn't do a great deal for me. But uh, it's it's Wicker Man, kind of in the style of like Trumpton and Camberwick Green and, and those, yeah. uh, those, those shows of, of, well, I say of old. I don't know when they were about seventies, maybe. Might have got probably got the wrong decade there, but um, yeah, daydreaming is one of the best things they've ever done for me. I mean, I would probably put it in like their top five songs. Wow, it just yeah it taps into something deep within me, and so well once again this this showcases the difference between us. Yeah, and uh, I mean the the alternation between our, so far with our. 10 to 7 yeah. has been has been just really entertaining for me hopefully mm. to other people as well yeah I hope, I hope it's not just us that finds this entertaining but you know eh, so be it well it might be that you and i are the only ones still listening at this point i don't know because <laughs> that because that again this is going to be a lengthy podcast but I, do you know what i don't care mm. it takes as long as it takes and much like the albums we've discussed so far and will continue to do so, particularly with Kid A, I would say. Uh, Why should we be constrained by an imaginary barrier? Mm. And if you're still listening at this point, thank you. Yes. uh, And I I take it you've just been enjoying it so far, which is great. Uh, If nothing else, Loz and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, I don't mean to speak to you, Loz, but if you weren't enjoying it, you'd have probably told me by now. We're about 15 hours deep or something by this point. So... (laughs) I did, I just switched the the laptop off and walked away. <laughs> what, in literally that cutthroat manner. I think so. Yeah. If I was, if I was that fed up with it, I probably would like. Yeah. I'm out of here. So, oh well. I mean, obviously, this would be the optimum point to end this one a because of the length of the podcast but b because we did 10 and 9 and now we've done 8 and 7 and so and so i'm looking at number six and oh my god i could talk about number six for the length of the scott and last show to date you know jesus christ no i'm i i am serious i i know you are that's why i'm so shocked it's I, unless should we call it a teaser campaign? Not that I even intend for it to be. It's just literally this is just literally my passion coming out now. I'm looking at number six and thinking, I cannot wait to talk about number six. So <clears throat> I think well we'll leave it there of course and get to number six uh, next time. Well, Starting I, with I, yours obviously. I'm, I'm gonna love the comparison with mine. <laughs> no, <laughs> talk about a teaser, right? We'll leave that one right there. Yeah, you and I will convene probably same time next week last tuesday maybe that seems to be typical scotland's podcast day now doesn't it so um all right well well earned rest then i'd say Um, isn't it for everyone 
after listening to me talk about Kid A for as long as I did. In fact, Carnival was probably the one that occupied the most time. So, uh, yeah, grazie mille to those who have listened, uh, as always. Big up uh, yourself. <laughs> Again, contrast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, well, you know, I, I again, I, I do hope you go off and check out some of this stuff. I mean, Laz and I have, have given a, a little introductory, maybe not necessarily from my point of view, the best introductory bit, but just one that I just chose, mm. I guess. So on my head, be it, you'll be the judge whether it's any good or not for you, of course. <laughs> but um, so that's edited. Again, this is this is riveting content, isn't it? <laughs> <Fucking> <laughs> hell. Yeah, I know. right. We're just you fuck off. I'm going to fuck off. Fuck you. And f- and all. I haven't really got anything to add there. No, don't. Chip, 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 chip.